Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me Paul Collis and today we're going to take a look at the 1975 with their At Their Very Best Tour. So today is a 10 truck show and what they've done is they've uh, pulled the trucks in and then they've uh, taken the trailers off site and then returned with the, uh, <laughs> with the tractor units. But that's just how it goes, that they're trying to save a bit of space and uh, have maximum flexibility with parking because they're here for two days. So they want to keep the uh, they want to keep the yard as free as possible so they can fit more cars in. Anyways, that being said, today they've got their own stage and it's a rolling stage. And on the sta- rolling stage is a white set which is like a house like a sitcom house shall we say so you've got stage left upstage left you've got which appears to be a, re- a bedroom with a little bit of a dividing wall that's uh, about three foot high and then you've got a door that's normal door height and then stage right behind the door you have another room with a spiral staircase and a few uh, pillars and plimps in there with some shuttered windows and then you've got a staircase going downstage to a front area and there's wooden old school 1950 style TVs scattered across the stage at present and currently you have the forklift trucks forking up the uh, the set trolleys so carpets furniture and whatnot all on these uh, big dollies that again falls onto the stage for them to offload and put in position. Currently the stage is rolled out forward and the reason that they've done that is because they're still building the lighting rig and the sound rig. So stage left and stage right you've got the line arrays which are too wide and they are 12 deep. Then you have three uh, three sets of uh, subs flown, set slightly back behind the main line array and a little bit further back still is the line array that's 0.45 degrees outwards for the surround sound effect. You've also got a lot of uh, floor subs that are lined up ready to go once the stage is in position and a load of flight cases and other dollies of various paraphernalia waiting to be wheeled into position as soon as the stage is rolled into position. Currently it looks like most of the lighting rig is up. You have three lighting bars that are going uh, up st- towards the upstage area and then you also have a uh, sidebar stage left and a sidebar stage right all with various different LED uh, moving head fixtures as well as having a load of the uh, good old faithful workhorses of the of the modern era such as the AD strobe floods and they're all on every uh, truss going as well. On uh, the overhead bars you have yet again more moving light profiles and washers and I'm not sure if they've got a screen going in because it's too early to tell. And we're back so the build is now complete and the set is pretty much all complete as well so you've now you've got a um, a little bit of roof on the stage left section there's a platform on top of these uh, curve uh, these curly stairs 
you've got a lot more furniture put within the uh, downstage area and it turns out that all the TVs do turn on and they are little uh, LED screens on there from the LED screen panels that you would normally find and they all play whatever image throughout the uh, set you've got four different style pianos scattered around uh, as, and they all, um, they all look like they're within the furniture type of the sets they've got wood panelling on the walls on the downstage section to make it look like a 1950s 19, 19, yeah about 1950s uh, style uh, interior of a, of a British house and yes a few desk lamps few uh, corner lamps an interesting setup to say the least also you have stage left and stage right screens and this is obviously for close-ups for cameras and a bit of VT if they've got some VT which I believe they would do if they've gone to the effort of putting the AD screens within the set pieces of the uh, TVs all over the gaff they've got practical lights uh, sit behind the windows well the sh window shutters which are just testing at the moment so it looks like it's daylight on the outside that's peering through so whoever designed the set and the show definitely worked in theatre because that is proper theatre lighting that they're using and it does look pretty uh, nice actually it does remind me a lot of being back in my theatre days and I may, I'm guessing that's what they aimed for well not for me personally but to go back to their theatre roots from a design point of view so all that's left now is the closed sound check which means I have to get off and leave my observation post the 1975 an English pop rock band formed in 2002 in Wilmslow, Cheshire and they are now based in Manchester. The band consists of lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist Matthew Matty Healy and lead guitarist Adam, Adam Han, bassist Ross McDonald and drummer George Daniel. The band members met in secondary school and performed together as teenagers. Gigs organised by a council which led to the band to sign with Dirty Hilt and Polydor Records. They opened for several major acts and released a series of extended plays Face Down, Sex, Music for Cars and Four from 2012 to 2013 before releasing their UK chart topping self-titled al debut album in 2013 which includes the popular singles Sex, Chocolate and Robbers. Their second album, I Like It When You Sleep for You Are So Beautiful Yet So Unaware Of It in 2016 reached number one in the UK, US, Canada, Australia and New Zealand. The band released their third studio album A Brief Inquiry Into Online Relationships in 2018 to critical acclaim and became their, thir and became their third number one album in the UK. The fourth album, Notes on a Conditional Form in 2020 was their fourth consecutive number one album in the UK. Their fifth studio album, Being Funny in a Foreign Language in 2022, also received acclaim and became their fifth consecutive number one album in the UK.
So Matt Healy, the son of actors Tim Healy and Denise Welch, was born in London and grew up in his parents' home city of Newcastle before moving to Wilmslow. He met Ross MacDonald, Adam Han and George Daniel in Wilmslow High School in 2002. And they played together as teenagers. The band formed when the local council worker organised numerous gigs for teens. He found Han who said, who said he wanted to play one of those shows. The band began playing covers until they eventually wrote their own music. According to Healy, we, we started from then and we've been making music together since we were about 13. After Han invited the members to form a band, they passed their early days covering punk songs in local clubs. Healy was originally a drummer, but he took over lead vocals after frontman Elliot Williams left to start another band, which did not pan out, though Williams would later join editors on keyboard and backing vocals. George Daniel was recruited as a new drummer to complete the final lineup. Before settling on the 1975, the band performed under multiple names including Me, NGU vs Them, Forever Drawing Six, Talkhouse, The Slowdown, Big Sleep and Drive Like I Do. Healy recounted that the final name was inspired by deranged and mental scribblings found on the back page of the book On the Road by Jack Kerouac that were dated the 1st of June the 1975. The 1975 have been classified as, as a pop rock band. Scott Kerr of AllMusic wrote that the band combined the dark and youthful themes of sex, love and fear of ethereal alternative rock music. Healy specifically cites, specifically cites Talking Heads, My Bloody Valentine, Ride and Michael Jackson as musical influences. He states that his greatest influence was the arrive of filmmaker John Hughes for their second album, I Like It When You Sleep for You Are So Beautiful Yet Are So Unaware Of It. Healy cited Christina Aguilera, D'Angelo, Roberta Flack, Boards of Canada and Sigur Ross as inspirations, saying that they're, they're a postmodern pop band that references a million things. I don't even know what my band is half the time. Their melancholic uh, black and white visual aesthetic is uh, just opposed with major keys and what the band calls classic pop sensibilities. Critics at Pitchfork have favourably compared them to the Big Pink sex EP which was described by Paste as equal parts ethereal and synth pop with haunting and, sm and smooth vocals. Their mellow, uh, their mellow stripped down style was praised for its lack of attention grabbing production and theatrics. The 1975 had been described as electropop, funk rock, indie pop, indie rock, pop, pop rock and rock. I like it's when you sleep for you are so beautiful and yet so unaware of it has been described as indie rock and pop. Healy has stated that their influence is heavily rooted in African-American music in many interviews. Public reaction to the band's music has been mixed, particularly on social media platforms like Twitter. Perhaps the last public space for unfettered music criticism in an increasingly anti-critical landscape, according to Vice magazine's Larry Fitzmaurice in 2016. In an essay on the critical response, he said they have been the most hated and loved band in the in the world and described as underrated and overhyped, although the needle has far been more swung towards the former direction. 
Veteran rock critic Robert Christgirl said he thinks they suck and should not be called a rock band as they do not rock. In Fitzmaurice's uh, opinion, the band's debut album was mainly a straightforward rock album in the realm of alternative and most most comparable to In Excess. So now we've uh, heard about the uh, 1975 with their backstory. We're going to take a look at Bonnie Kempley, who's their supporting artist. And there's not much I can find at present. Let's have a look at her Instagram page. So she has 89 posts, 7,360 followers, and is following 810 people. You know what? Oh, well, I'll just... uh, hit the add button so now she's got 7361 followers she's got a link to her own website so we'll just click on that so there's not any information on there just her tour dates so this will be a nice random stab in the dark and I do kind of like that so no information whatsoever so this will be an interesting one I've not heard any of her music I don't know who Bonnie Kemplay is but this will be a very interesting support and artist because we know nothing about her. And we're back. So supporting artist Bonnie Kempley. Well, it's an interesting uh, mini set that we, that we uh, saw. So the band walked in on the downstage section of the stage to a reasonable welcome from the audience. So. I would gather that some of the audience did actually know who Bonnie Kemplay is. And behind their actual band setup was a kabuki, which is standard practice, I guess. Uh, so you keep the main set hidden. And yeah, that's what happened here. And on the kabuki was a front projection with Bonnie Kemplay's logo. So pretty standard stuff there. Now the lighting, uh, it was a basic setup. So you had a uh, pool of light from directly above that where where LX1 was, just pointing down and lighting the section of stage that each band member was uh, playing up. And then and then you had a uh, bit of full, uh, then you had a uh, whitewash, just giving a, a nice bit of face light from uh, the front house bar. So what I did was angle two units at the extreme ends of the truss and pointed them 45 degrees crossing the stage. And there you go, a nice little bit of face light. Kept as dim as possible, so it just tickled the face with their faces with the face light. And the uh, down lights, which happened to be a blue spot, did the rest. And it stayed the same from start through finish. Sound-wise, it wasn't overpowering. You could hear a lot of clarity. It was definitely uh, on the uh, higher gold standard spectrum, and I would pull it. And I would place it around about 22 karat gold standard for the clarity. And I do feel like they deliberately kept the uh, volume down. I'd say mainly for the juice, mainly due to the tone of the uh, piece that they were playing, because it was a nice, relaxing, mellow set. And also with it, with uh, 
with Bonnie Kemplay's songs sounding very very easy listening there was no need to overdrive the bass there was no need to overdrive the whole band in, in general because it was a nice chilled relaxed vibe now performance wise Bonnie Kemplay had had a really good set for me you know and with it being easy listening I'm not a fan of very easy listening music but the performance we had a uh, strong vocal performance we had a great musical performance from all the members of the band and Bonnie can play as well because she played her own guitar on uh, on most of the songs there were some there were some songs in the set that she didn't play her guitar and very talented uh, musician very skilled uh, guitarist I have to say although as I said very easy listening and it's not my kind of thing but put it this way if I had an opportunity to buy her CD I'd buy that CD and give it to my grandmother for her uh, when she does her uh, family dinner parties to fit in with her uh, yeah I would say it would fit in with her Nora Jones CD and uh, if you are old enough to remember who Nora Jones was from the uh, early 2000s very nice relaxed vibe from a very talented singer again and it's good background music and I would say that Bonnie Kemplay is definitely a back good for background music and uh, nice light entertainment did she fit in with the tour definitely definitely from uh, some of uh, the songs from the 1975 it definitely she definitely complemented their tour and as a support it was good although I personally think it was a little bit too mellow for my taste and uh, for a warm-up set it was okay they did very well I mean strong performance strong performance from start to finish but not my cup of tea but there's nothing wrong with a bit of Bonnie Kemp play uh, for the background definitely nothing wrong with it and if I hope that no one gets offended by that because some people some bands are great for uh, being in the background but noticeably in the background and Bonnie Kempley would be very notice noticeably in the background so it is a win-win in my opinion so the 1975 they um, had the uh, intro music playing and their uh, logo was on the, projected again onto the kabuki and once the kabuki uh, dropped the band members were they come onto the stage and the cameras projected them stage left and stage right in a how can i put it in a old school sitcom sitcom vibe very interesting because the kabuki fell and revealed the interesting set that they had and it was and it was very surreal to see all the stage crew wearing the uh, 1950s 1960s style uh, lab technician coats because that's what technicians did back in the day not on stage though but on the in the tv studios and they had that surreal vibe of it being a sitcom and there's a lot I'm going to say about this on this show uh, as we we'll go through the uh, show report. Is it, there's nothing wrong with what they did. I, I couldn't find fault in it. And there is definitely a time and a place to do a massive theatrical um, interpretation. And that's what I would say it is. A big theatrical setup. 
it was designed theatrically without practical lights coming through the windows such as sunlight being projected through or the street lamp etc being on the practical uh, corner lamps and yeah as ben, as the band members entered the stage they'd come along and switch on a couple of the lights and go into their band position and then same with the uh, technicians but as everyone come through the door onto the st- onto the stage onto the set their names appeared on the screen stage left and stage right as though they're entering a sitcom you know for the opening credits it was a nice uh, little touch i have to say now this was a show of definitely two halves and the first half was the most distinct because they kept the lighting very theatrical and sitcommy I'd say sitcom, no, more theatrical, more stage theatrics. And we're talking lighting wise with soft off white, so a little bit on the red spectrum, a little bit, just a very small hint of it. So you wouldn't even notice it was just not quite white, it was just an off white. So a little bit on the red, a little bit in magenta in places, a little bit of yellow to give a nice. A nice uh, bit of uh, warmth to it. Sometimes they even had a very, very small, subtle hint of uh, steel blue or uh, cyan. So it had that look. It had that feel. And then with the colour mixing of the uh, LED units, they even had a sepia feel to it at some point as well. They employed a lot of theatrical devices on the show. And when I say a theatrical device... I'm talking about the tone of the show. So you had smoking on stage, which you need, which in this country under the very strict non-smoking inside rules and laws to be able to smoke on stage, you have to have an artistic license to do that. And when I say artistic license, you have to apply and get permission to do that from the from the local government and they had all their certificates to say that they had the license to be able to smoke on stage because it fit in with part of the show so you only did this in the first half of the show I seem to notice when with the theatrics of it and so we're talking about smoking drinking on stage so and at one point the lead singer was saying that he's doing the method act so yeah i wouldn't say it was more method acting because at one point he was slowing his speech which if he was method acting he would actually be hammering away so it was a a mock a mock-up of i'd say it would be more of a mock-up of method acting although it was very very scripted very scripted but it it did work it would they did spend a lot of time planning this out and making sure that it worked really well there was a lot of alienation and uh, epic theater within that first section of the show where the lead singer said stop and everyone froze and the lights just changed to a very stark led open white which was deliberate because it just goes to show what he was doing and that at that point he stopped addressed the audience did a uh, solo on his acoustic guitar and said and start and everyone just carried on as normal like you would in a interesting theatrical show 
Now, at one point, I, I, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen the show, but it, I have to say this. At the end of the first part of the show, when uh, the theatrics stopped and became a normal rock show, but at that point, you had the lead singer sit on the couch, start unbuttoning his shirt, saying, why am I doing this? And the music and this noise started to ebb and flow and throb a little bit with the bass. He uh, drank, he smoked a bit more, he drank a bit more. Then he moved center stage, started doing press ups. And after he did his press ups, he uh, <laughs> was served a big, a big t-bone steak a raw t-bone steak which he took a few bites from as uh, some of the former prime ministers of recent times uh, appeared on the tv screens uh, that were on the set as the uh, noise and bass intensified he took another bite from the steak and put it down and then the tv that was in front of the carpet where he was doing his press-ups he looked into the television and crawled through it. And then this surreal, some could even say nightmarish dream had finished. And then the show resumed and part two, well, there was no break apart from that little interlude. And once he'd come back on the stage from a different entrance point, the band started up again and yeah the second half of the show was as I said was more rock show so you had all the LED units doing their LED uh, bits and bobs such as the LED light curtains moving left and right up and down a bit more lighting effects from the profile units and whatnot although it was still pretty much predominantly in a uh, wash over the stage and not too multicolored. They kept it a bit more in line with uh, the rest with the rest of the uh, show. Yeah, it just had a uh, different feel, and it was good to see. It was good to see the contrast, and I did actually think that was a, a good uh, touch, to be honest. Now, sound-wise, when uh, the 1975 come on, they definitely had absolute clarity within their uh, within their performance and I would say it was better than 22 karat gold standard it was definitely on the platinum uh, level that's how good it was the sound itself was not overpowering in any way at all you had a little bit of bass here and there but it wasn't really needed so nothing overpowered it the volume uh, yet again was not overpowering you could actually hear people talking on the floor whilst whilst the band were playing and it was a good sound a very very great mix as well now how was the show received well the audience loved it i mean they totally totally loved it especially at uh, the uh, surreal sections of the uh, show where they would have a lot of applause after every song like normal anyways but uh with the uh, surreal bit there was it did feel like that part of the show had a different feel to it from the audience point of view and it wasn't a bad thing it was a really good thing actually it was a massive contrast where it comes to the applause and 
the focus of the uh, of the audience because the f audience were completely focused throughout from start to finish especially on that earlier section of the show now one thing i would say as well about the audience you had members of the audience who camped outside for two days so they could get to be the first people closest to the center stage at on that front row now if they're willing to camp outside in the bitter cold then this show was definitely for them and some people had done this on every, you know they've gone from uh, venue to venue on the tour so they've done this multiple times and if they've done this multiple times then the 1975 have done their job in keeping people engaged and entertained enough to buy tickets to every uh, date of the tour so that's a bit of food for thought let me know what you think in the comment section below until next time guys bye for now